Welcome back, everyone, to the podcast that is yet to be named. It's been a while since Tim and I have had a chance to record and or chat, so we just thought we'd spend this 4th of July weekend catching up on what each other have been doing and how life is going. Enjoy. So how you been, man? Been really well. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like uh, I've been in a really good space, like enjoying life, doing cool stuff. I, uh, it's actually interesting. Recently, I've been having conversations with people or people ask me what I do and right. I've been, uh, spending some time with like how to answer that because people are like, what do you do? And like, my response is like, I just do cool shit. <laughs> yeah, well, right. <laughs> and I don't, and I've like taken on this new philosophy in the last year and I've really just started to like step into it where I don't do anything that I don't want to do. Like, and I only do stuff for work. That's fun. So I just get paid to do fun shit. And like, that could be things that are, I mean, really hard, you know, like there's days of tree work and things that I go out, but I'm not driven. Like I used to be to like, I have to go get this done. I just mm-hmm. go out and, um, I feel like I'm in just a really blessed place in my life where I don't actually have to do stuff that I don't want to, but yeah. I don't want that to sound like to me when I say that, uh, I'm saying it from a place that I want to like, part of my passion in life is I want to inspire other people to live that way. Cause I see so many people just work doing the grind and working a job cause they don't want to lose their insurance or, uh, my 401k and, uh, retirement and uh, well they're paying me this much like i gotta just and they're just working their life away but when i say it it i have like this feeling that i don't want to like sound like it's ego like i just get to do whatever i want i really just want to inspire people so i've been like what's the best way to just tell other people what i'm doing but not in like an ego way more from a place of like inspiration and trying to like cultivate inspiration in other people, you know? Yeah. No, I can see where you, yeah. If you come across that way, it's true. You're only doing cool shit, but I can see where people would be like it. The inference is the shit they're doing isn't cool. Yeah. Well, in their own mind, you're not inferring that, but yeah, I could definitely, I, and I run across here once in a while. Cause, but I've just tell people I'm a subcontractor, yeah. <laughs> you know, which is kind of the, well, it's, mo- it's the truth most of the time. Um, and I think that it becomes like what you're doing and the way you've been to structure your life has a lot to do with attitude. It's not like you don't work. Yeah. It's just the work you do, you enjoy doing. And I think that people miss that point. Um, you know, like, it's not like you don't go work. Yeah. Well, no it's, one's saying to me like, Oh, that sounds like ego. I just am questioning. Cause I'm like, right. Very, I just, I'm always right. taking a look at how I, like mm-hmm. I'm showing up in the world. So right. I'm, I like pause with it and I'm like, is that really how I want to show up? And I mean, people get amped by it. They're like, Oh, that's awesome. Pretty much. Everyone's like, how do you do that? What? Mm-hmm. That's an option. I'm like, yeah, we all <laughs> yeah doing right. this. you know? Yeah, you're right. It is a, it is a bit of a quandary because to, you know, to just leave it at that. I think pe- you're not inspiring people that they, they either look at it and go like, I don't, if they could either see it as a piece of ego or they could see it as something that's unattainable for them. Like, Oh, I couldn't do that. Right. Um, you know, like I, I, that's great for Tim, but there's no way I could do that. I have a family, 
you know, I have three kids, I have this, I have that. And they limit themselves. And I understand all that. And it's, and it's true, you know? Um, yeah. But at the same point, like, you know, I look now, like just looking at like jobs are available, like, you know, the local convenience store, like you get a job at like sheets as a manager, work eight hours, make plenty of money and still have plenty of time and energy left for a side hustle. You know, that was, wasn't an option for me really. I don't think when I was, you know, in my twenties, like it was either you had a good paying job that consumed all of your time and energy, or you were always kind of like marginal, you know what I mean? Like you were just barely skidding by paycheck to paycheck. And I don't think that's the, the case anymore. You know, I can see where people, you know, yeah, you know, at a certain point you have to have a paycheck and insurance and benefits are nice because things happen, but same point, like you can always still have that you know, I've chose, I've always chose a job that was much more of a lifestyle, not, you know, there was no, but I did that willingly. There was, you know, I didn't have time and energy for a side hustle, but it was more than just a paycheck for me, but I could have, now there seems to be a lot of opportunities where you get a decent job, um, with a decent paycheck and still have a good bit of time and energy left over to do something that you really, really enjoy. As long mm -hmm. as, you know, whatever's paying the bills, isn't too terrible, right? Like you go into work every day, wishing you were not there, you know, but I don't know. Well, I just bump into people who are just, I, I find the mindset with a lot of people of, oh, well, the benefits or retirement, you know, I'm setting myself up for the future. And there is a, uh, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of balance, but there's the idea that, yeah, it's a good idea to save some money and, you know, uh, invest and have some sort of build some sort of security for the future when security is just an illusion. It's not a real thing, you know, like, uh, but a lot of times I see people getting, they'll, they'll spend 20 years doing a thing they don't really like. It's good enough. It pays the bills. It's mm -hmm. with the idea that in 20 years or in another, just another 10 years of this, and then I'll get to live the life that I want to. Then I'll get to go do that thing I'm passionate about. That's, you know, then I'm going to start to paint. Then I'm going to start to travel. Oh, I'll buy a motorcycle then, or I want to go. Mm -hmm. And I don't, to me, that seems crazy because tomorrow's not guaranteed. 10 years from now is not guaranteed. The world as it is right now is not guaranteed. We might not be able to travel. The whole thing could fall apart. <laughs> yeah, right. And not to be driven by fear of like, oh, the whole world's going to fall apart. We better go get it now. But just the reality of like, I constantly have friends. I mean, so many friends dying and things happening in their life unforeseen that it's, to live for retirement and then people are like, then they're old. <laughs> you can't go do the things that you were so passionate about in your younger years, you know? Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I, yeah. And it's, I think that, you know, there's a big difference between going through life saying, okay, when I, in 10 years, I'll do this or in 10 years, I'll do that. There's a big difference between doing that and to slowly start taking steps that will help you meet that five year, 10 year goal. Right. There's, there's a big, cause I get it. You can't, not everybody can, can or is willing to totally drop it like oh, i'm gonna go you know produce music videos because that's my dream right but you can start to put things in motion that will get you there that are part of that enjoyment 
You know what I mean? You can start to do certain things and make connections and start to build towards that goal. And I think that's when you have one of those jobs, it's just, eh, you know, it's all right. You know, it pays the bills. That's one way to add value to, you know, to your life, I think, as a person is to slowly be working towards those goals. So I don't think some, I don't think a lot of people understand that, you know, can't have it all at once. Where would you put it? Um, But you can build towards it. And I think that that can make a big difference. I know it's made, I mean, that's what got me through, you know, pretty much all but 20 years of full-time tree work, knowing that, because I told you before, my goal always was, you know, I was going to get paid working with my hands doing tree work until I was 40. And then I wanted the bulk of my income to come from what I knew, right? I didn't want to work with my hands so much anymore. I wanted to make money, not for what I did, but for what I knew how to do. And I was able to make that work to a pretty big extent. But, you know, that's what made those through the my late 20s, 30s bearable is just like, this is part of the process. I'm heading towards an ultimate goal because if I, I have to do what I'm doing now in the field, day in, day out, climbing trees, all that stuff, so that I have a base of knowledge so that I can do what I want to do. Right. So, and that was kind of when you had those days and everybody has them, it's like, oh, God, you know, like I don't want to do this. <laughs> it made it like, all right, just working towards a goal it wasn't like oh one day i'll do this for me it was like when i get to this point and for me i you know i arbitrarily said when i was 40 when i get to 40 i want to be able to make the shift and get away from you know being out here doing this work and you know getting paid for what i know about this work as opposed to the other way around like i said for the most part i was able to make that work within a year or two Um, and it it, that for me made a big difference well the guy that what the goals having a goal of what you're working towards mm-hmm. but i think it feels like we'll get i've got my you know in the past when i thought about retirement or setting myself up for the future it's like we can get our goals out of whack you know because people will have this goal of retirement but it's pretty wild when you ask people what their idea of ati- retirement is they go oh i want to I'm going to be in Costa Rica and I'm going to be sitting on the beach sipping a margarita. And you're like, <laughs> okay, right. yeah, cool. Like, that's your dream. But what about four hours later when that's boring? You know, like after a day or two of that, like anybody, like that, you're just going to be like, okay. Because we have this fantasy of going to this other place is going to change how my internal condition is. I'm going to feel better when. If I was sitting on a beach right now, if I was in Costa Rica or Ecuador or Asia or something that like I might, I would feel better. You know, I would feel complete sitting there sipping my margarita or smoking my cigar or whatever. And that thing is fleeting and it's not going to last very long. So when you dig a little bit deeper and ask people, what's your actual dream? What do you want? What are you going to do with your time there? You're going to die pretty quick if you're just sitting on a beach sipping margaritas every day. Uh, like right. drive yourself insane so like mm-hmm. a lot of people haven't actually thought any further than that like i just want to mm-hmm. go to the beach and then when you dig a little bit more and start to ask people like my favorite question that i i've been asking people for years i actually got it from uh, alan watts is if money was no object how would you really like to spend your time and mm-hmm. I, I ask people that like, a few times a week of just different people i have a conversation with and i and Say like, listen, I'm going to pay all your bills. I've got all your bills paid, everything. You don't have to worry about going to work anymore unless you want to. How are you going to spend your day? What does a day in the life of you look like if money was no object? And, you know, I've heard all kinds of really 
school answers and some people just some people claim up because they've never thought about it they go i I, I don't know i don't know what i would do because that level of freedom they can't they're not even sure what to do with Mm -hmm. but like when you boil that down and ask that question and come to an answer that's what you should do it's like or that's what you could go do and become and because it's what you love you don't even have to worry about the money because you're going to be doing it every day and you're going to become a master and there's people out there who will pay you to learn how to do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. yeah. I, I know, you know, from my perspective, it's always been, um, I've had to rework here in the last five or six years, a work ethic because my work ethic passed on to me by my father was, you know, if you're somehow not working 60 to 70 hours a week, really hard, you somehow, my value decreases, right? You know, like, or, and and I don't even have to put numbers on it. If you're not working really hard, if you're not, you know, physically straining or mentally straining every day, putting all this effort into something, you somehow value decreases. And it's been difficult for me to kind of come to terms with that because not all things have to be difficult. Not all things have to be complex. I can do simple things and add value to the world, you know, like, and that's, that's been a tough one, you know, and I struggle with it when I first, you know, let stopped doing, stopped basically being an employee when I stopped working for my brother's company full time and was doing subcontract training, you know, there's those times where it's like, uh, there's not a whole lot to do for the next two to three days. And somehow, and it's not a bad thing. There's things I can do and there's things I, but I'm not physically earning a paycheck. Right. You know, like there, I wasn't doing things that were physically earning me a paycheck. And I'm like, this feels kind of weird. took me a while to get used to it. And it's, and I've had to kind of relive that in the last, I'd say probably two to three years. Um, yeah just because my work has slowed up some by choice, some by environment. Um, you know, I could work, yeah, like you and I with our skill sets, we could work 365 days a year, you know, um, eight hours a day minimum. If we felt like it anywhere in the world doing tree work, it's just, I don't want to do production tree work all day, every day anymore. It's just not, you know, it's, I, I just, and it's nothing against the work. But then when, and then the other thing that comes into it for me is when, when you have basically a, a, a lifestyle that is how you get paid, not just a job, it defines you. And I've defined myself for a very long time as an arborist and as an arboricultural trainer. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you get to a point in life and it's some, maybe some people never quite get to it. That's why they can't answer that question. It's like, what would you do if money wasn't an object is because then you would literally have to redefine yourself because some people's definition of them is a money earner. Right. If you wanted to boil it down. And then when you, if you don't have to do that, if you take that identity away, suddenly you're like, yeah, I think that what on top of all that, the struggle has been also that, you know, you get to a certain point in life when, you know, I've had to redefine my work ethic and redefine how I add value to this world. I basically have to redefine myself. Um, when you're younger, you do it based on what you want to be in the future. Now that a little bit older, I think, I don't know, maybe part of it's from the past you know, have to define, but then also from the future, like how do I now add value to the world? You know, because for a long time I added value by going to work and, and earning a paycheck and doing those things and enjoying my job and building a skill set and raising a family and doing all those things. But now, you know, um, how do you, def- how do you define yourself after that? What's the next step in value? Right. Yeah. And that, that whole idea that I, oh, Jangly collar on, but the idea that I I had that same feeling when you don't go to work 
you know, and you're like, oh, I, I'm not, earn, I'm not being productive today. I'm not earning money. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I actually, I don't know if it's part of the human psyche or just the way that we're brought up with the school system, but not going to work. It's almost like a sense of guilt that you're not earning or being productive or doing something like that, you know? Right. Uh, and I've found that the more, uh, when I go to work, if I'm working, like if I start to get myself in like a routine where I'm going every day or I have this set schedule and then I don't. So it's almost like the more I work and then stop, it, I guess it could just be like falling out of that routine or, you know, uh, just the way that we're kind of domesticated to work uh, almost makes it worse, you know, that feeling. Mm-hmm. So like learning a new work pattern, a new schedule that I'm going to be uh, I work this amount. The idea of work too, that you were talking about before of it's not that I don't work hard cause I still do hard stuff. Um, I actually watched this uh, documentary recently. There's a whole bunch of episodes and it's, uh, it's called human playground. I really enjoyed it because it's all the different ways that people play. Hmm. And, um, you know, and, but what my first thought of people playing is like having a baseball or something, you know, just, just right. like kids kind of just playing in the yard and doing silly stuff. But then, mm-hmm. but this documentary actually goes into all the different ways that people play. And a lot of it is very difficult. There's like people running 150 miles through the desert and, you know, mountain bikers and all these extreme sports. And it just talks about how, and it, like, shows all these different forms of play that humans engage in and a lot of it was it's really not pleasant at all it's very very difficult and like Mm -hmm. there are some people who are like cramping up in the middle of the desert and having to get iv bags of fluid because their whole body is like tightening up and pulling in but afterwards the people are like yes this is my passion this is what i do so it just made me think of that when you said work it's not that i don't work hard i'm out Mm -hmm. doing things i'm just doing the things that i enjoy right and uh i heard a friend uh say in the like a few months ago or something that he's like i want to be he's going to be professional he's like i want to professionally be myself there you go yeah i was like oh i like that that's like that's the way to do it you know um that's yeah, good. I want to professionally be myself. It's sort of like when I tell people I'm thoroughly unemployable. Yeah, I'm a real employee. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not employable. You want me to show up seven o'clock every day? Every nah, day. Ah. nah. I have to ask you for a day off. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Which is, I think, a lot of it too is the way that you've structured your life, and is I think there's a, people don't do it. But I think because there's a lot of fear. Um, you know what I mean? Because there is when you look at, at what, you know, you do and how you do it and how I do, you know, there's not a lot of security there. I can't say for sure that, you know, come the month of August that I have work to do, that, you know, um, right. I mean, there's some things there's a little bit. It's not enough. It's a constant, you know, journey to find good things to do that I enjoy doing that I can get paid for. Now, history has shown me the last 12 to 15 years that work does turn up and that I can make a living doing it. But taking that first step into that would be very, very difficult. 
um, for a lot of people. It was very, it was difficult for me. Like I'd had one or two things lined up and then the rest of it was just total faith. Um, and the fact that I knew that if I, that I'd made my plan and if I didn't follow my plan, then I would too fall into that trap of, Oh, in five years, I'll be able to, I'll have enough saved and I can, I can break off and I can do training full time or I can write full time. Um, so there is a big, big act of faith in yourself and, you know, trust in the universe or whatever you want to call it. That I think a lot of people that, that holds them back from that. You know? Yeah. I had a friend, a guy a few years ago who was, chatting with and i was telling him oh yeah, yeah you know i work for myself and he's like wait so you uh he's like how long have you been doing that I'm like oh like you know at the time i was like i don't know 10 years or something like that and he's like wait so you pay all your own bills with the money you make from your own business like if you don't go to work like you have no fault you're not getting a paycheck like it's all on you i'm like yeah he's like oh my god that gives me anxiety like huh that's crazy <laughs> and i'm like what are you talking about dude like that i had never even thought of it as like this difficult thing that i was doing but it's just mindset it's perspective mm -hmm. and like the idea of security is it's a it's an illusion there is no security in world mm -hmm. like in life in general you know like yeah you could get the idea of security i was at a workshop a few months ago and listening to this guy who was presenting and he was talking about how security is like one of the f biggest lies that's ever sold to us and we're told like there's a roadmap to security in life like you do this you get the job you get the girl you get the house you blah 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 here's security like you're gonna get security but like one of the main truths of life is there's no such thing as security like that's it's this unrealistic mm -hmm. idea because life is uh just so uh, uh, unpredictable. And he was telling a story to the guys that he's a therapist and he was talking about how he uh, had this, he had this client who came in who was um, a, you know, uh, D1 like baseball player and he married the high school sweetheart. She's the captain of cheerleading team and he got the job and he was making, you know, all this money and bought the house like in the best town and they were in the best school system and everything. And then like his kid, like he had the couple of kids, the white picket fence, the whole deal. And then one of his kids tried fentanyl and died like the first time. And he's mm -hmm. like, and the guy was struggling and he said that he was having a conversation with the guy and the guy was saying, um, like this wasn't supposed to happen. I did all the right things. I got the girl, the house, the job, the, uh, this was not supposed to be my life. How is this happening to me? And it was, it's the idea that he was following this roadmap to security. And like, if you do all these things and life is going to work out in this particular way. And it didn't because life is completely unpredictable. Security is not a thing that you can, you know, forced to happen in your life mm -hmm. yeah that's you hear that you know so often and it's yeah i you know there's a stoic tenet too that and i think you you've done it well and you might not even have realized it but there's a stoic tenet that wealth isn't necessarily having more wealth is about having enough right or understanding that you know and like i said by a stoic philosophers like wealth isn't having a whole bunch of shit it's having what you need and appreciating it yeah. um and i think that 
you know, that, that changing a mindset to that way, um, helps a lot too. It's like, you know, cause I have to sit around and there's certain times where I'm looking at my calendar going like, well, just going to barely get by this month, you know, from a financial and a solvency standpoint. But at the same time, I have to remember to myself that it's like, you know, I don't think when that my time comes and I'm looking back on it all, I don't think I'm going to say, man, that, you know, July 3rd, that Monday, I probably should have went and earned some money instead of talking with Tim and doing the podcast. Right. You know, right. like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be that specific because you don't, you know, you remember the the bigger pictures of it. So too. So I think learning to have enough is a, a second half of life skill. Um, you know, if you're going to use the Carl Jung philosophy of the second half of life is definitely, um, I think that it's having more as a first half of life, defining wealth by having more and, and having enough is a, is a second half of life thing. And it's different. Some people I don't think ever get there. And I struggle with it this day. I'm not sitting here telling you that I've got it down, but it's another way to look at it. It's another way to frame it, another perspective. You know, it's like, it's not about having more. It's about having enough, right? (laughs) Yeah. It's also, it's perspective. It's mindset. When we have, when I have a mindset of abundance of like, there's so much wealth out there to be had. There's Mm -hmm. so much. And it's just an energy. If I need it, you go get it. And one of the things is, so it's like where you're at, right? You might say, uh, oh, I'm barely going to get by this month, right? But you're getting by. And Mm -hmm. if you actually needed to, you would be totally fine and could go out and make more than you needed. Mm -hmm. Like at any point, at any, like you have, and you could go anywhere in the world, like you were saying, and Mm -hmm. go out and, and make more money than you'd like. So it's like, oh, if we look at the schedule and say, oh, I'm barely going to get by this month. Uh, but I'm going to, but there's like this sense behind that. If I actually needed to go get more of that energy to like, there's pretty much no chance that you're losing your house or mm. not going to pay your bills because you can make a phone call and then, you know, very quickly be out. Just yep. You know, yep, there there is that definite, you know, that part of it. Um, that is, you know, it it does play, and it's like you know when I sit, you know, but yeah, uh, and it is, but I think changing the mindset is a is a huge huge part of it, and going from that scarcity to abundance, which we all struggle with. I mean, struggle to this day, and then, you know, it, it you're sitting around and going, you know, like how much more? I don't really need any more. I just need to learn how to appreciate what I have is being enough. Right. And, you know, like I said, I don't think at the, at the end when I'm reviewing my life before I move on to whatever's next and however you want to define that, I don't think the balance sheet's going to have dollars and cents on it. You know, for me anyway, maybe for some people, but I don't think for me, it'll have dollars and cents on it. (laughs) You know, it's like, um, so I don't, you know, I don't think my accountant's going to come in and say, well, you could have done a little better. (laughs) You know, it's like that, that's not going to make it, not going to happen. So just keeping that in mind and, and understanding that and is, is key and it's, but it's not easy. And I can see where uh, I can see where many, many people would struggle with it. And I think you have to have a certain definition of yourself and definition of the universe and definition of, of life in general and how you want to go about it before you can make that, um, before you could see it that way, right. Before you can see that more is not necessarily more. Matt and I were talking, joking about that the other day of like, imagine if like when you die, you get to the other side and they're like, all right, well, let's just, just, just check how much money you had when you die. Cause that's what you get here. 
you're like, what? They everyone said uh, we weren't gonna need it here. I, exactly. They're like, oh no, you need it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah, yeah. Either that or or like whatever passes for a higher power would be like this huge oak tree. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't um, know. Sorry, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know. I think I, I would like to think that I helped more trees than I cut down. But I sorry, don't know. I don't know. I tried. Didn't know. Yeah. Right. Makes I you didn't. read all the dog tags of all the fallen right. brothers that you've killed. Right. There's like a big balance sheet of like trees I've helped and trees that are no, like. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. Yeah. Was <laughs> so I supposed to know yeah. this shit? Yeah. I was thinking about it too. Of. Uh, with so it's easy for you and i to say right oh mm-hmm. well um it's abundance over scarcity and you know we could go out and just make money if we needed it but that's a bit of a you know a lot of people that have a skill and a trade and a transferable skill that way but it's not not everyone like you were saying what about the manager of sheets or someone mm-hmm. who's got whatever skill i mean I guess it still comes down to abundance because, and mindset. Because if you took tree work away from me, I could still, I'm still going to go out and figure out some way something's going to happen. Even if it's wait and tape, I mean, there's a way to make money and do things. And like, just that's the way that my mind works is I see uh, abundance and everything around me all the time. And I'm always, you know, like, oh, you could do that to make money, this and that. But like, how do you, some people that don't have that skill and don't have that mindset, you know, like how do you teach that to them? And I've thought about that. And like, if I were to talk to some like myself at 20 or talk to someone else that's 20 years old, I would just tell them, like, learn a skill, some hard skill that you can go out and, you know, use to. But not everyone has that ambition, you know, and mm-hmm. some people don't want to make money with their body or physically or, you know, but even if even if the skill is selling a product, you know, like be a good salesman, like then you always have like something that's transferable into wealth. Mm-hmm. You'll learn something and learn it well. Like even if it's not your number one passion, just have that as a resource, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great advice. And I think, you know, really it is kind of the basis of what you and I've done. Like I said, we have the the tree the tree skill set the arbor skill set that we can always fall back on if we need to um but even if that was taken away you know there's other things we can do but that comes from a lifetime of well, doing tree work but yeah but to have some sort of skill something that is always going to be around like you know you're always going to need plumbers you're always going to need electricians you're always going to need software you know computer stuff i mean robot repair i was just watching the grapple saw take a tree down the other day going you know what hydraulic repair would probably be a really good thing to know how to do right you know um and even yeah so have something that if it got to the point where it's like well at least i can at least i can get by right and have something that then you should enjoy it um you know it shouldn't be something that that's drudgery and i think but there's many many ways to do that out there that people just don't see and just don't take the time um right like i said you don't have to be a master at it and you're right it is a bit elitist of you and i um in the fact that you know we've done tree work we did it for a long time we do it an extremely high level not every arborist is in the position that we're in because 
and that's their choice and our choices. I'm not going to argue that, but I think everybody can put themselves, like you said, into a position to have some transferable skills slash trade. Um, like I said, and it might be leadership. It might be management. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a manager at a Sheets, or you're a manager at a Walmart, or you're a manager at a McDonald's, or you're a manager at a Fortune 500 company. Leadership skills are leadership skills. Um, right. You know, you know, and, and having that, you know, like I always joke now, I wish somebody had told me in my 20s to find something that makes you money when you sleep. <laughs> you know, like, so that you always have something, you know, going on. Um, didn't quite do that in my 20s, but is what it is, right? But, so yeah, but and it's it is uh, I can see where people are very hesitant to take that first step. That they envy the lifestyle that you've created for yourself. But then I can see where they'd also be like, "Well, I couldn't possibly do that." And I can see where you just some sometimes maybe them asking you what you do is they're looking for that key. Like, well, how can I do that? Maybe that's what they're really asking you. It's not yeah. what you do. They're like, "Well, how do you do that?" You know, and it's not an easy answer. I don't think there's one silver bullet, but I think there are. I think there are very concrete, actionable steps you could take, and I think one of those is to get some job, skill, trade, whatever that is kind of universally marketable, right? That you could always fall back on. For you and I, it's been tree work. Um, you know, like we can always fall back on that. Um, but find something like that. I think that I don't even think tree work is necessarily that great of a choice. I think there's probably better <laughs> <Yeah>. choices, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, <laughs> um, because really when you look yeah. at it in the grand scheme of things, you know, the average person that's paying for tree work is not the average um, income level. You know, it's a bit of a, it's a luxury service. Um, you know, yeah. fortunately we live in a world where a lot of people can afford that luxury service, but you know, it's not. And that, there's, I think there would be other ways to go about it that would be better. Like I said, electrician, plumber. Yeah, electrician, plumber, whatever. And I think the tree work, the the thing that saves us, and it's like if you wanted to pick tree work as that trade and thing you were going to do, mm-hmm. you would have to be you have to be a climber. It's mm-hmm. like that's the niche. You know, it's like the riches are in the niches, and when it comes mm-hmm. to being the most marketable in tree work. Uh, it's being a climber. That's the thing that, yeah, anybody could drag brush and you could go get a job anywhere doing that. But when you show up with the skill set that we have to be able to climb in the way that we do, people are like, oh, here you go. <laughs> you're high. <laughs> you yeah, you're right. That's, that is the, you know, the desirable skill set. I mean, even though we ultimately get paid because we rake other people's lawns, um, mm-hmm. it's the, they, they were marketable because of that climbing, that climbing skill. Yeah. But, well, this yeah. Area, yeah, it's really, it's wild because like, I, I go out and contract a little bit. <laughs> Basically, again, I won't do anything that I don't want to. So, mm-hmm. like, a few companies that I've talked to around here, I'm like, listen, I will come out. I doubled my rate from what it used to be. <laughs> I'm like, mm-hmm. this is my rate because I don't actually care if I come out, and it's still not that unreasonable, but it's just like from what I charged eight years ago when I used to contract climb, I've just doubled it. And I'm, you know, I have my own work to do, but I'm like, I will come out if you have a crane or if it's major dead, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not going to stand in spikes all day for someone putting down and butt catching giant pieces of wood. And right. like, I'm not doing that anymore. I'll do it on my job if I have to, you know, like, but that's, that's when I'll do it. I, mm-hmm. I don't think someone could afford to pay me enough to spend eight hours 
in spikes bought catching wood you know and people are like yeah done so i just have a couple companies that call me once in a while when they have a crane coming out and i think that's fun i'm like i think framework is enjoyable they pick you up put you in the tree and you know Mm -hmm. you get to do the fun part yeah no, it definitely makes a big difference. You know, it's like we're not, we don't build skyscrapers with, you know, the tools they use to build the pyramids anymore. You know, it's not necessarily, sometimes, you know, true removal ha- gets pretty basic, but I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, I wish I did because I could, I could triple my rate because, yeah. you know, I run into so many tree guys and girls that if they don't have a crane, that they're, they're, it's incapable of removing anything, of doing the mm-hmm. higher end technical work. But, that's all right. I don't. I don't even do that much crane work anymore. I, it's all good. Yeah. All good. Well, it's. I just find it fun still. Oh yeah. Yeah, I like teaching people to do it. I get. Uh, you know, that's been fun. Yep. You know, training people how to do it, giving them, but even more so, I think I'm getting away from giving. Enjoy. I still enjoy training people specific skills in arboriculture, but I think I enjoy more of the leadership end of it, the attitude end of it, um, yep. the longevity end of it, the bigger picture stuff um, that nobody ever told me. Yeah. Um, you know, nobody told me that you should hydrate. <laughs> you know, like nobody told me that even if you're two, at 2% dehydration, your ability to make a rational decision is like drastically decreased. Um, yep. You know, I, I look at now and I back at my career, like and how lucky I got in so many instances. Right. Um, which is a bit sobering at times, like, oh my, you know, try and pass it on those lessons so people don't have to depend on luck. You know, it's one of the things that's happened, and it just happened last week where I went and worked for a friend of mine. Uh, and it, I think it's fun to work for them because I'll show up, there's a crane, <laughs> they have an excavator mm-hmm. with a rotating grapple, a 24 inch chipper, and mm-hmm. whatever I send down, there, it's gone in like two seconds mm-hmm. i'm like you know i don't have to do anything but get set in a tree and make a cut but then a friend of mine works there uh that i haven't seen in a long time and then uh, a couple days later they sent the buck operator out and just talking how i normally talk about life and the, my perspective of like yeah, i do tree work two days a week and you know and i just do fun stuff for money and i'm i'm also a rock climbing guy and i just go over like the way i live my life and they're like oh my god that's I want to do that. And then they start asking me questions about working for other companies and how to like do their own thing. And I'm like, I want you guys to live your best life, but I also, you work for my friend. (laughs) And if you guys, he's fucked. (laughs) So I was like, trying to like bite my tongue a little bit. And it's not that it's on me, but whether they stay or leave, but I also was, trying to encourage them to invest more in the business and learn more skills there, mm. be more useful and more uh, profitable for them. You know, like if you learn these other skills, he'll pay you more money and this and that. But uh, it was just, just this funny moment where I'm like, oh, the, what I'm talking about right now is making these guys want to quit. Whoops. Yeah, that is always a slippery slope, right? Because a lot of times the questions they're asking and the ideas they're getting in their head, they want to run before they can walk. Um, yeah. And you have to, and it's tough to convince somebody of that. Um, <coughs> and then, like I said, the other, there's other aspects of it that are, and so many people, especially, I don't, can't speak for other industries, but I know in Trico, so many people 
think they have that skill set and they just burn a whole bunch of bridges when they walk away. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like it really, really doesn't, you know, it doesn't. And yeah, I, I don't, yeah, it's, it's always been like, I'm very hesitant sometimes to refer people to certain programs like the, like the Arbor Canada train the trainer program. I've referred three people to take that course. Like personally, people I've known in the three people that took it, none of them stayed at their, the job, that they were working when they took the course for more than six months afterwards. They all made major life and just, you know, for the good, not necessarily yeah. for the bad, but you know, some of those were like, you know, family businesses, like, you know, I referred a good friend of mine who was working with his brother and, you know, six months later he ended up, it needed to happen, but it's, so you have, and I'm not taking responsibility for it. I'm not saying the course, but you, it is, there's a, a responsibility and almost maybe a, I don't want to say a power, but almost, uh, I guess they have responsibility to be, you know, to, to portray it for what it is and to, you know, really let people, cause you're right. Not everybody can be a subcontract climber, you know, in yeah. armor culture. Um, sometimes their best bet at the point they're at in their life is to involve and add value to themselves in a company. You know, I mean, thinking back on it and, you know, having talked with a bunch of people through the tree actions podcast, you know, one of the things I kind of totally screwed up on is, you know, 20 years ago, I should have asked Ben, my oldest brother that runs or owns Arbor's enterprises. If I could have invested in the company. Right. Right. You know, and I never did. I should have said, yeah, can you cut me in a little bit here? What's it, how can we make this work? And I never did. Um, and I think that, you know, he's built a wonderful business and, uh, I think that could have added, you know, to the financial end of what I'm doing. I didn't, and it is what it is, but you know, how many, you know, instead of a guy like you're talking to going to the, you know, your friend, his boss and saying, oh, I'm just leaving. Why don't you just walk up to him and say, hey, man, you know, kind of what, you know, where am I going to be at in five to 10 years? And can we work out something here so that I have a piece of this? You know, right. I like what you're doing. You know, I, you know, um, I, w- I never wanted to run or build a tree company. That's just not where my where my desires laid, right? I, but, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to do, but my brother did. And I should have relied on that a little bit more. And I wish somebody would have told me, like, I never even knew it was an option. You know what I mean? Right, right. I just never, never knew it was an option. I don't know, might've worked out, might not have, but I think a lot of people miss that option. You know, it's like, everybody wants to, a lot of guys get into tree care, they get a decent skill set, then they want to go start their own business. Well, why don't you just talk to the owner of the company you're working at and see if you can get in on that shit? You know, like they already built one. Yeah, it's already know? established. <laughs> like, you know, there's other options um, to it. I don't know. I, don't I had know. a similar situation with uh, years ago where uh, a company that I still <laughs> go out and contract with, but it's outside of TreeWork. It's like an adventure company. But I remember how it I like helped start it, right? It was like one of the original people in the beginning of the uh, the company. And then I felt like I was investing and being asked to invest time and energy. And I remember just where I was at in life. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to continue to build this thing for someone else. And I kind of like stepped away. There was a lot of other things that were going on that mm-hmm. had me like, that I like stepped away. Uh, but uh, looking back and in my mind, it was, you know, if they're not going to cut me in, if I'm not going to be a part owner or have some stake in this <laughs> sorry i'm still getting over a cold uh but i was like i'm not going to continue but i never verbalized that i just kind of stepped away 
And then now there's other people who work there who are have percentages, percentage ownership. And I'm like, huh, I guess that was an option. And it really came <laughs> right. to not speaking my truth and actually like asking for what I wanted or thought, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's a bigger topic, but I think, you know, especially cause in tree care, so many people, so many guys, girls, husband, wife teams start tree companies and they're, they're good arborists, but they're not good business people or they're not educated or, or cultured business people. So the, basically they build this business and then they get to a point in life and they have, they can sell to one of the big three or four and that's all they get. And it's really, it's, that's never as good a deal as people make it out to be. Yeah. It never right. quite is. And I think that, you know, that the industry, the arboriculture industry would be well served to have, start having conversations with people to one, get more educated in business, but then two options other than selling to the big three. And I think one of those might be to, you know, um, open up to your employees and your team members to, you know, kind of take ownership in it and build it from there. But it's a much bigger conversation, but I think it goes back, you know, to the original, you know, your original thing, you know, when you tell people, oh, I just do cool shit, it, part of it's attitude, but then part of it's perspective, right. And thinking outside the box and saying, you know what, like 40 hours a week, five days a week, that Henry Ford put that shit together. Um, right just because he wanted people to make cars and that's what he thought it should be. I mean, I'm more for the Inca calendar of, you know, 13 months of 20 days a piece, five mystery days at the end of it. And then we could have what that would be, uh, five day, four, five day weeks per month. And then I think we should work, um, maybe two of them and then have the other three days off. I'd be down with that. That's there's Tony's work week. Let's go with the Inca calendar. Mm -hmm. I like it. (laughs) think out but thinking outside the box right and and looking at different options and it's something that i failed to do um because i didn't i didn't have the perspective it didn't seem like it was even if it it either seemed impossible to me or it never even showed up on the radar right just never never occurred to me to ask my brother and sister-in-law say hey um how would that look you know how would how would that look and i didn't you know it is what it is so now it's just useful to share with others. Well, yeah, exactly. I just, but I think maybe the lesson there is well, no matter what you're in or where you're going, you know, think outside the box, right? It doesn't always have to be the way it's been laid out. Like you just work for somebody and then you retire after 30 years and you collect a pension and you move on. Like there are other ways to go about it. Um, right. Define retirement, you know, like oh, you're right. If, if retirement to you is just doing nothing, you ain't going to last long. No. Either going to get bored, run out of money, or die, or all, um, you know. And there's nothing wrong with definitely slowing down. I've always defined retirement as going to work because you want to, not because you have to. Yeah. Well, my, my mindset recently is I've been saying I'm just get, I'm living my retirement now. I'm going to yeah. just live my retirement for the rest of my life and do the things I enjoy along the way, and they make me money, and uh, just have the mindset of I'm retired now. And – because if I live for retirement one day, I'm going to, one day I'm going to, it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Right. One day I will. Yeah. And now it's like, I go out a couple of days a week, do some work. Looking. Uh, I mean, I know I'm set up in a unique way, but it's not that unique. It's not that difficult to get yeah. to, you know? Well, that's what I think people don't see. Like you're set up in a unique way because you've set yourself up in a unique way and you've done it a number of different ways, not just with this, having the skill set like we talked about that is that is transferable and marketable that 
that can get you paid. Um, having the mindset to do it, having the, you know, the abundance, not scarcity mindset, you know, looking at it that way. So there's a lot that goes, that goes into it. And not, I think what other people don't see too, is not everybody that takes the path that you've chosen. It's not going to look the same for them. Everybody's going to have a a different way of going about it. And I know, like I said, I know plenty of people that have that job that's, yeah, it's, it's a job they're managing it as sheets or something. And and that pays their bills, but they have the side hustle going and, uh, and that's where they get true value from their life. Yeah. You know, or they spend in 40 or 45 hours a week doing a job. That's okay. Sure. But then they're coming when they're not working, they're doing things that add value to themselves and hopefully add value to the world and, uh, going from there. It's not a bad way to go about it either. You know, that's that side hustle turns into a lifestyle. It's just exactly. the thing that you're out doing. Yeah. You know, and maybe it never quite truly does, but, um, you know, but you, at least there's, there's something there other than that drudgery, like, uh, right. And that, 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 that's an easy trap to fall into. And I think it's something everybody has to do for a little bit, but you don't have to stay there. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, cause I didn't, it took a long time of doing, what I do to get to where I'm at. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of long days, a lot of learning and failure and all, you know, uh, but just to be, I also, now the, one of the things I think about is like, okay, well now I'm in this position and it's beautiful and I'm really enjoying myself, but what is, do I continue on? Do I try to get, is there another level that I could go to where it's like, uh, I should continue to work hard and something else now that I have this energy and set myself up in another way. But how mm-hmm. much of that is just s- the same old rat race, you know? Right. I think the path becomes clear when you, uh, when you're done. Well, maybe not clear, but I think the, the right answers are you fall into the paths when you're moving down it with good attitude, thinking outside the box and doing all the things we've been talking about. Right. I think opportunity tends to, well, I think it always knocks. I think you have to be ready to hear it. I think that when you put yourself in the right space, you hear it easier. Yep. You know, there's always well, opportunity. The, the path becomes clear once you've already walked it. There's part of that too. Well, and looking backwards too. Certainly things I would do differently, but there's a lot I would have kept kept very much the same. Right, right. You know, very, very much the same. So, yep. so do you have another um, retreat on the schedule? Yep, October fifth through the eighth. Fifth, oh, good, good. October, where at? Same, same sites or? Yeah, same spot up in Vermont. Uh, oh, okay, it's like the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont. Uh, it'll be cool uh, to have, like, just to be up in that area. Last year, same, same weekend, the foliage and you know, it's mm-hmm. like a cool night, and the property is really amazing. It has all these different cabins around the property and yeah it's it's a really beautiful spot it's gonna be good cool yeah. cool just finished up by uh, another uh, another boot camp with phil this last oh, week cool. all last week we were we were in louisiana oh, um cold and it, yeah it was hot the <laughs> the the actually the heat was like another student but this kind of student that like just like bogs things down and makes everything go slow. <laughs> it was like, it's like the heat was a participant. Um, it was in, the, it's always hot and sticky down there, but it was exceptionally so. And they've been kind of dry, they've been dry for them. Um, yep. uh, so it's, it, it was, yeah, but it was, it was a good course. We had a, 
the site's awesome down there though yeah lsu the lee memorial forest and it's just a great place to it works out well and the, the students were well it's a and it was good to do it. We haven't done one since 19, 2019. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Fall of 2019. Well, everything conspired um, yep. on many levels. And then the world kind of collapsed into pandemic mode. And that kind of messed things up. Because not that Phil and I had a problem running a course, but the sites did, right? Like, they're under certain constrictions. So you can't have people gathering. And that yeah, took yeah. a couple of years to clear up and then just scheduling. But no, it was good. It was a good program. Um how many participants did you guys have? We had eight students total. Um, it was a little, yeah, we had eight. We had one, he was kind of in and out. He didn't, he didn't spend, he didn't get the full experience. He was a yeah. local guy, um, actually works for LSU. So he came in during the day. It was like a day job for him. Yeah. Um, so technically he got a certificate of attendance, not a certificate of completion. So we wouldn't call him a boot camp graduate because he didn't get the full experience because we go, Eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, you know, like full, the full on. So, uh, but no, it was good. So we had him during the day. So seven, eight ish yep. there, which is about, um, we don't do much more than 12. Um, what do you guys do for food? The site, that's one of the reasons we use that site down there is, um, they charge you for it, of course, but it's, uh, it's not very expensive. Um, so it's a LSU, uh, it's a research station. So it's, I guess it, it's sort of like what, Penn State would call it an extension service, right? Yeah. Um, so most of the time, like they run, it's their forestry camp. So they run the LSU forestry program, runs their camp and stuff there and their biology programs. But they do open it up um, to certain groups. Um, so you can basically, you basically rent it and it comes with food. Oh, uh, cool. So it's kind of a, a mini cafeteria style. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like it's not, it's not big. Like um, actually the guy that does the food a lot of time is Joe, who's also the manager there. He and his wife kind of do the food, but they do a great job. Um, it's a, it's a super good site. It's like a bunkhouse style, yeah, yeah. um, in the end. And then they have, there's nice classroom space and then, uh, there's like a faculty cabin and there's separate facilities for female attendees. If you need to separate it out and they have like a shower house and a bunkhouse, it's, it's really pretty cool. It's a great, uh, it works out well for what we do and it's great for the boot camp. Um, attitude i guess you'd say so but the yeah. heat was definitely they have a little uh like t weather station there that reports back to the university for whatever um and it has soil probes in the ground around this station that takes soil temperature and joe was saying i think wednesday the soil temperature three inches down was 128 degrees <laughs> I'm like, and i'm looking in the grass and the lawn is still green i'm like how's this possible but yeah. it, <laughs> I guess the humidity and the humidity was like, it was literally like a, like a physical thing. Like, <laughs> it was just like this thing. And it, but yeah, but it was a good course. We had a good time. Uh, it was a good lesson in how to, we hadn't done a lot of the exercises that were kind of standard for us that we do in, in previous uh, boot camp classes. We didn't do because the heat, I mean, by like one thirty, we had like, it was not humane to do physical work in the sun. Like it would, somebody would have got hurt. Yeah. Um, and it, the idea is not to hurt people or break people. It's to, you know, get them a skill set, get them an attitude. So we literally had to sh slow up a lot um, in the afternoon, rightfully so. I don't, I don't regret it, but it did change the way that, you know, we did things. And it's so from an instructor standpoint, it was a learn, a learning and acceptance because um, yep. the students never know, right. They don't know that they missed anything. Like they right. don't have a point of reference, but there's certain things that we just couldn't, just couldn't do 
Um, yeah. Some of that's based on the group too, which is, it's got to meet the students where they're at. And so there's a lot of lessons in, in that. Um, the last, this was class number four. The other three classes, I think we were able, where Phil and I specifically wanted to go is where the class met us at. This class was a little different. Um, one, because of the weather and the heat and two, just personality wise and stuff. So it was, it was refreshing to, um, to relearn those skills of adaptation you know, right. and acceptance and like, well, this is it. It is what it is. How are we going to deal with it? You know, it's not, this isn't the way I envisioned it and it's not happening. Oh, it's totally ruined. It's like, well, this isn't what I envisioned and it's not what I planned, but it's still good. Yeah. You know, and there's still value in it. So no, it was awesome. It was awesome. We scheduled, we have another one scheduled for November, same site, but that'll be way better. <laughs> <weather-wise>. <laughs> I'm not sure why we picked end of June, early July. I think it, well, I know why we did. It's the same thing that we got on today and we decided to just chat because you have to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Right. Let's keep it going. Um, sometimes it's better just to move forward, uh, not in necessarily an ideal situation, but to just keep the momentum moving forward. So, you know, it's, um, it's tough to schedule long tree training courses in the busy season, but we were able to do it. So it's like, well, if we can do it, let's just do it. Yeah. Um, and keep the momentum going because a lot of the momentum got held up were things that were totally out of our control. Couldn't, I didn't, I couldn't make the sites, you know, host us. Like I couldn't, I couldn't make them go against their own policies. And it, just, right, right. it was just, I think it was mostly, well, let's just do it and we'll deal with it. Even though it's Louisiana, Southern Louisiana in June. <laughs> it was good. It was good time.